Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Alamo Draft House and the season opener of season 10 of Airtime. Thank you all for being here. To lead us in and tell us about season 10 is the executive director of the Arts Incubator of Richardson, Mrs. Kitty Goddard. Thank you, David. Here, I'm going to step here so I have more cord. Um, I have a few words. I'll make them quick. Um, this is the kickoff to season 10, and it is so hard to believe that we have already developed and produced nine different seasons. And just to give you an idea of what that means, that means that there have been 53 guest artists interviewed, and here at Alamo Draft House, we've screened 36 movies. So, and to add to that, we have iTunes podcast of airtime. So if you want to know what happened in some of those previous interviews, go to iTunes and look for airtime, and we are there. Thanks to uh, our tech guru, Chris Simons. And uh, right now, we're just more than 7,000 downloads. So we'd love to see that uh, number tick up to 7,001. Anyway, uh, we have to thank Alamo Draft House for this incredible partnership, which this is the beginning of um, our seventh year with Alamo Draft House. So to say we've been partners with them, we've been partners with them since before they broke ground here. And we feel very honored to, to be in this relationship and thank them immensely. This is also our fifth year to be in partnership with Richardson Reads One Book. So our September airtime has developed into this partnership where we present an artist that has something to do with some component of the Richardson Reads One Book selection, and then obviously a movie that hopefully carries on the theme. And so tonight some people may have asked, I don't get the connection. And um, the connection is, is that the underlying theme of the book has a lot to do with the value of music and the impact it has in one's life. And then, well, I should, maybe I shouldn't say it. Some of you may not have finished the book. You need to get to the end. Anyway, we felt that we saw an absolutely perfect correlation between Bluebird, Bluebird, and Six Springs Tavern. Um, we need to thank Richardson, one's book, Richardson Reads One Book and their uh, board, who members are here tonight, Jason Lemons, if you could wave, he's the president, and then Janet Vance, who is vice president, and Susan Allison, who is on the board, as well as serving as the director of the Richardson Public Library. We thank you all for this continued partnership. Um, and as you can see, Half Price Books was in the lobby with the book for sale, so if you have not read it, we encourage you to stop by there and pick up a copy. Uh, I believe that they are $13.85. And maybe you have read it, but maybe it would be a perfect gift. Um, tickets to the Richardson Reads One Book event are free. However, you do have to have a ticket for that event, which is two weeks from tonight, at which time the author, Attica Locke, will be at Richardson High School to talk about her process of writing the book and what's next for her and for you, the readers. Our special guest artists tonight are Brad and Carrie Springs, who are the owners of Six Springs Tavern, which is absolutely the most fabulous live music venue in the city of Richardson. We are very pleased that they are great supporters and very passionate about having musical artists in their space 
that exemplify independent creativity as well as Texas artists. Um, and along with that, we have to share that we got a bonus with this movie tonight of Lone Star because it happens to be a 35 millimeter film. So for film buffs, it's an extra treat. So now we'll turn it over to David Fisher, who is our moderator, and he is also the assistant director for the Dallas Office of Cultural Affairs, so he might know something about what he's talking about. So anyway, thanks all of you for being here, and here's David. Thank you, Kitty. So as I said, welcome to the opening of season 10 of Airtime, presented by AIR, the Arts Incubator of Richardson, in partnership with the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in Richardson, Texas. Tonight's event, as in the past five years, is also a collaboration with Richardson Reads One Book. So thank you and welcome to all of them. Airtime is an interview series featuring artists and creative thinkers in the Richardson and Dallas-Fort Worth area. Airtime is funded in part through the generosity of Eric and Deanna Wise with Wealthstar Advisors and through a grant from the City of Richardson Cultural Arts Commission. Believe it or not, it is September 9th, 2019. Where did the summer go? Or it's September 10th. I wrote the notes yesterday. <laughs> and again, please help me welcome our guests for this evening, Carrie and Brad Springs, the owners of Six Springs Tavern. Uh, I will certainly uh, echo what Kitty said, that Carrie and Brad feel super strong about supporting local Texas musicians and uh, focusing on those who present uh, original music at their venue, Six Springs Tavern. Uh, and I would say it's it's one of the most interesting musical venues, not just in Richardson, but in the Dallas area. Uh, not only is does it is it a wonderful venue for musicians, but it seems to be equally satisfying for the audience uh, with all sorts of great things like awesome sound and no TV screens and great food and, uh, and, a, and a sense of community. And we'll talk more about that. So um, you all actually met years and years ago, I think fifth, more than 15? Um, in 20-something, actually. 20-something now. now. Yeah. Um, in Wimberley, Texas, where, Brad, you were working in a music venue, and you were also working in that venue. I was Ta working in the bar, and then he came in and took it over. <laughs> tell, us, uh, tell us about that venue, how you met, and, and I guess, obviously, the impressions that were made on each other in order for you to reconnect years later. You want to do this? No, go right ahead. She hated my guts, quite I frankly. I did. Um, <clears throat> me and a partner basically took over an existing venue uh, that she was already working at. And uh, she didn't know that uh, I was her boss for a good period of time. And, uh, and, but I was bossy and told her what oh, to yes. do. Yes, yes. very yes. bossy. And, uh, and so, yeah. So, yeah. She hated my guts for uh, a good part of uh, our working relationship. You even spilled margarita yeah, down your yeah, pants. Yeah, she accidentally spilled a margarita down my pants one time. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we've had that relationship and, and then she moved home after college and I continued with the music and, uh, and then through the joy of Facebook about 15 years later, we're, uh, here and been married coming up on five Hi. years and, uh, own a music venue. So yeah, you know. So whatever happened all those years ago must have been a cool place that you at least 
remember fondly. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah, yeah. Great. yeah we means, just got the hate part out of it yeah. <laughs> way back then. Yeah, we, uh, we, I mean, it was all about the music there still as well. And, and uh, we had a lot of uh, uh, awesome musicians, obviously, coming. Wimberley is only about oh, 45 miles outside of Austin. And, uh, and even then, I mean, I still have relationships with some of the musicians that I booked 20 odd years ago that are still playing in our venue now. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. I mean, we, we both enjoyed the atmosphere. We didn't enjoy each other all the time, but, uh, you know, you get older and things change. So, so, uh, but music is all Brad, for Brad, you, we talked, um, music has always been a part of your life, even from an early age. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I actually went to, uh, elementary school with, uh, uh, a couple of guys that some folks may have heard of, Will and Charlie Sexton. Uh, Will is an amazing musician on his own, and uh, Charlie, uh, I, I think he left school when he was about 13 or 14 and went on tour. I, I think I saw his first MTV video when he was all of about 16, and he was touring with Bowie, and and you know he'd call home, and we'd be there at the house with his mom, and uh, and he started, he picked up, in English accent, which I thought was kind of funny. But, uh, you know, you're hanging out with David Bowie, what are you going to do? And uh, and so, you know, years later, uh, I would get snuck in the back door of places that I was too young to get into because they were too young to play there. And uh, so I got hooked, pretty much. You know. And what about you, Carrie? How was, what, what part did music play in your early life? Um, I mean, growing up with, you know, in my family, we always listened to oldies. That was my parents' favorite music whether it be, you know, records, 45s, that's what we always listen to. Um, well, of course, Christmas time, my mom was all about the Christmas music. Um, I mean, as a musical background, I really didn't have one until Brad, you know? I mean, working in bars and uh, through college and stuff like that, you know, some of them had music, some didn't, um, until I worked at the one there in Wimberley there was really no music involved, and so it was through him that I got introduced to it. Um, after moving home, I worked for my dad in his law firm, you know, so I've been a paralegal for about the last 20 years. And then just getting back into it with him, uh, once we got married and we're talking about looking for a live music venue, we've been looking, you know, for about three years, four years before we actually opened up Six Springs. And, uh, you know, but I mean, it's he's turned me on to music ever since we've gotten back together. You know, it never was really a big. She, she actually, and then here's something funny. <laughs> uh, I I do a quiz thing, like whenever a songs on the radio, I'll, I'll you know, who is it? And she stopped uh, answering everything with ACDC and Metallica. <laughs> She's actually learned the names of some of the other bands. It's a beautiful thing. I have I've learned. So, so uh, having been a paralegal, are you the business sense of the uh, partnership? Yes, I am. Yes. You answer that really quick. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> no, but Brad, you have a lot of experience doing, it seemed, I mean, practically every area of the music business. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. It, uh, you know, I started out as a music venue owner, and then, uh, and then through that process, I became a, uh, a booking agent. I done festival production. I've written for several music magazines. I just, uh, during South by Southwest, I, I was sound engineer for South by Southwest for about five years. So yeah, I mean, you know, the, the herding of the cats part of it, uh, 
And then, I mean, that's with any artist. I mean, the the creative mind, it's, you know, you have to be, as a manager or booking or, or in a venue as a, as a talent buyer, you have to kind of be halfway on that side of the fence for the artist, you know. Uh, so Trust that, you. Yeah. Well, well, not only that, but just to figure out who goes with who when you're booking. You know, like on the weekends, we have two bands on Friday and Saturday nights, and it's somebody might hit you up and you're like, oh, they sound really good. But who am I going to pair them with? And he's he's amazing at it. So how did the uh, how did working as a paralegal and then working in your many various gigs prepare you for it didn't. your gig in Richards? <laughs> it did not prepare me at all. Not at all. Now, how was it that you reconnected after all of these years apart? Facebook. Yeah, he hit me up probably, what, six years ago? Friend request. <laughs> Pretty no, much. No, we were, we were already friends. And he hit me up and said, hey, I'm going to be in Dallas this yeah, weekend. That's actually what it was. You, yeah, want I was... To get together, you want to get together and hang out. And then one thing led to another. and Here we are. Here we are married. Well, that's, that's a very simple but great story. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd be the last person that ever would contact me. but <laughs> So... So, uh, now, what was, you said you researched around for a number of years for your space, but what was the tipping point? What was the seed that motivated you to say, this is what we want to do? Well, uh, I mean, we always had in mind, kind of, I mean, being from Austin and, and working in the, in the music and venue industry in Austin, I knew what I wanted in the venue, and we had actually kind of tossed around, all right, well, we're going to do this, are we going to do this in Austin, or are we going to do this here or, you know, and, uh, and quite frankly, I mean, you know, if I would have opened a venue in Austin, I would have opened a venue that was like several other venues in Austin. And I, and I think we're kind of unique in the fact that, that we aren't like a lot of the venues that are in the Dallas area. <clears throat> we, uh, we don't book cover bands. We don't book tribute bands. I mean, it's all original music all the time. And uh, there are only a handful of venues in Austin that actually, are in Dallas, I'm sorry, that, that actually still do that. I mean, it's be, becoming kind of a, uh, kind of a dying breed as far as venues go. So it just made more sense to give this area something that it didn't have rather than go open a venue in Austin that would be kind of like some of the venues that it already had. Uh, we looked at Lower Greenville. We looked at... Uh, Deep Ellum, and, and we just didn't find a space that kind of felt right to us. And uh, with uh, the venue uh, that used to be in where we're at now, I mean, it had been a, a country cover band venue for about 40 years, 42, I think, and that closed down. And we had a friend that said, hey, did you see that this place closed down? And so we went in, and it, it had the bare bones, but it was in bad shape, and we, you know, basically had to gut the place, but uh, it just felt right. Uh, you don't have to pay for parking, which is an amazing thing. Uh, you go down to Greenville, Deep Ellum, it's, you know, and we have ample parking. We, we are kind of a destination venue. Uh, you know, you have to actually be coming to us to see whoever's on stage. We don't get a lot of foot traffic. But we want to change that. But we do. Yes, we want to, yeah. <laughs> we want our regulars at 5 <laughs> o'clock during the week. Yeah, we do, and uh, but but 
with it being here, I mean, we've already, uh, like last year, uh, the Wildfire Festival reached out to us, and we actually held their uh, qualifying round for the Battle of the Bands. Uh, and they were really happy that we brought that home to Richardson. They had been doing it uh, in Debellum because there wasn't a venue that could actually accommodate what they do uh, here in Richardson. So, I mean, it, it became more of a, a sense of community, I guess, than it would be if we were in one of those more, for lack of a better, touristy type areas. Um, I mean, we sponsored a softball team and they won the, uh, they, w they went to Florida, they went to Nationals in Florida and we have a trophy from a local softball team. So that's kind of, you know, I mean, it's more a community oriented thing. Uh, and I, I don't know, we just people, people have gravitated towards us because we, we're not cheers necessarily, but, uh, but we're just not corporate owned. We're mom and pop and, uh, and that's kind of what we cater to. It's just you know, being uh, being involved with our customers. Well, and you seem to be involved with the artists as well, because you perform, you present a wide range of artists from very uh, successful to brand new. Oh well, definitely. I mean, you know, and to tell you the truth, I mean, how involved we are with our artists is our home is their home. You know, I don't know how many bands that have an 18-hour drive that they don't want to make. And I'm like, well, just come back. We've got futons, two spare bedrooms. I've got three couches. Come hang at our house. We are a bed and breakfast for bands, actually. <laughs> we are. Yeah. And that's where the real magic happens. Yes. Those, those we, we have had cello, uh, a cello performance in our living room. I'm, uh, I rest my case. <laughs> so so you, what you need to do is just have your phone on record so oh. that in 20 years you can sell the lost recordings of <laughs> right. someone or other. Mm -hmm. Well, and then you were mentioning as we were speaking before about a band that will come and say, hey, I just want to play there, and you offer them to just come for the door. Well, I mean, if, if it's a new band, I mean, what we do on Tuesdays are kind of like tryout Tuesdays. Um, to see if you can have a draw on Tuesdays. Um, if you're good enough, we might give you a Thursday spot where you come and play for the door. Um, you know, just to kind of see what kind of crowd you can bring. And if, if it's a good crowd and people like you, then yeah, we'll probably put you on a Friday or Saturday opener spot. Yeah, and, and we, it's band. a stepping stone kind of thing. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously it's hard to start out with a huge fan base, but I mean, we will give them, I mean, and a lot of it is, it's experience. I mean, some of these bands that we actually put on Tuesdays, it's like, they've never really played in it, you know, in their garage maybe, or, or whatever. So, uh, but we have found these amazing gems. It's like, okay, I'm already gonna, and I don't care how many people you can pull out because the headliner on this date is gonna bring a bunch of people, but I want them in the opening spot. Uh, it, it just. I'm sure the Beatles played in a garage or a first space sometime, somewhere. Yeah, everybody has to start somewhere. They do. Well, it's just like finding Tatiana on Wednesdays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. From the artists I've presented in the past, it's always it's always seems better when the artist has some skin in the game and has to really has to market it as well and gets their people there to do word of mouth and, and right. real grassroots marketing rather well, than Well I mean that's what Thursdays are all about. You know, you're playing for doors, so you make what you bring. And that's that's kind of how that works on Thursdays. So what's the biggest joy of owning and 
operating your own venue? Uh, actually getting a day off to sleep. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Uh, but no, I mean, it's just... Uh, it, it, as many years as I've had at this, uh, I still get goosebumps. I mean, there's those nights where the band is just spot on. And uh, it may be a band I've seen a dozen times, but there's that one show that it's like, mm -mm, this is magic. This is, and, and we do actually have a, a live recording capability as well. So uh, we, uh, we can actually do tracked out live recording of the bands and then mix and master it. We actually put out a CD uh, live from Six Springs, Volume One, uh, last year at Wildflower. Uh, has 13 bands that we recorded live on our stage, or 13 tracks for 13 bands, and we're going to put out another one on on uh, next year uh, at Wildflower. We've already been asked to host their Battle of the Bands again, um, because sometimes, I mean, you know, you want to document it, and, and that that's one of the things that I, I truly, truly missed. Uh, when I had the venue before, it's the technology that we have today. Um, there are so many shows that I saw back then that were like, oh, if I just had this, if I just could have captured that little bit of lightning in a bottle. So, I mean, th that's a joy for me now is the, the ability to where I can, oh, yes, I, I, I got it, you know? And uh, it, it just, I mean, like I said, it's still, it's a gives you goosebumps kind of thing when the band is just, Hitting on all cylinders. I mean, that's that's the joy of it for me. What about you, Carrie? What what the keeps joy, you going? The joy of it for me. I mean, I Brad's the one who gets up on stage, so this is very hard for me right now, sitting in front of you guys. Um, he's the one that gets up on stage after every band and says, "We appreciate you guys. Thank you for coming and supporting lo local live music." I'm the one that walks through the crowd and makes sure everybody's taken care of, and you know, and just gets to know our people so when our customers come in i can call them by name you know i know what you drink um but just seeing the joy in their faces when they're really enjoying a band it's it's amazing and i also and i was blown away by a band that we just had in there that had never played there before but i don't think they had ever played a venue where people actually paid attention to them on stage they were so humbled by, they sing a song, everybody hoots, hollers, claps. And then gets quiet. And then gets quiet for the next song. And they keep doing it the entire time they're on stage. And the band was blown away. That right there is priceless. You know, it, I just, that's what I love. I love the, the audience's reactions to the musicians and the musicians' reactions from the audience. But it's that combination. I mean, you have to have the two. You do. And a band playing to no one is... Well, I mean, we yeah, we've had bands on stage on a Thursday night that are amazing, that are from out of town, aren't local, nobody knows them. And they're just amazing. But that's, that's why I, I want us to try and build up a local crowd. We don't have to be cheers, but I would like people to come in at 5 o'clock every night, no matter who we have on stage. Because they're missing out on some amazing music here in Richardson. But it's you taking, or you, I'm sure both of you, but it's it's taking care of that customer experience that will bring them back. Yeah. It will make them, make them feel at home. Well, I mean, once you walk through our doors once, mm -hmm. you'll be back. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so you, we've at talked least about, I hope. We've talked about what the biggest joy is. What has been the biggest challenge? What was the, what was the biggest initial challenge? <laughs> the renovation. <laughs> <laughs> 
obviously that, but I mean, in, in the advertising, getting the word out, uh, I mean, we spent, I, I wish I had it all back. I do too. We spent, uh, you know, radio ad money, print ad money, and, and the thing that has worked for us and, and gotten us to a point to where we are growing and building is, is just been, I mean, the same thing that got us, Facebook. You Facebook know I mean? and word of mouth. Yeah. It, um, it, I mean, social media is just, it, it's changed the whole world. Uh, I mean, I don't know how some print magazines even stay in business anymore. I don't. I, it, it just, you know, um, and obviously they have to go up on their ad prices because they're not making any money, you know. Um, but yeah, that was, I mean, for me, that was, would be the biggest challenge. It's just, I mean, we, I mean, we're putting Grammy winners on our stage and, uh, and, and we'll have an okay night, but I mean, this, I mean, a, a four-time Grammy winner has been on our stage, and and it's like, okay, where where is everybody? This is you know, a Grammy winner here, and uh, so I mean, there there's some frustration in that. It's just like if if people only knew, but we haven't exactly hit that that you know home run on figuring out how to get the word out yeah. do you think it's a and this is this is i'm going off script here so but as, as i'm thinking about this is it does it have to do with being a new venue or new bands or is it about the live experience because in the performing arts we certainly struggle with people going to the theater people going to the symphony or any music venue and they just it's so we have so many things streaming in hd on our big tvs and you get home from work at six, and you just want to put your Netflix on. I, you know, I, I don't know. Is this, it's so much the live experience. It, I, I think it's a lot of it has to do. I mean, in society anyway, um, there's not the appreciation of of originality that there used to be. Um, I mean, that's that's why the rise of the cover and tribute bands is escalating. Is because it, people want. Uh, be able to sing along to the songs. Well, that a lot of that, uh, but you know, it, it's a um, what you're used to kind of thing. Creatures of habit, you know. And uh, it, I mean, some of the bands that we do have, I mean, obviously they have huge followings. Uh, I mean, uh, like I said, Grammy winners, you would think would have a huge following, but then we'll have the random band that nobody's ever heard of, and there's 200 people. It's just uh, there's no method to the madness at all. Um, but I think a lot of it is 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 just people are creatures of habit. I mean, it's just like, well, I'm going to go to the same place every Friday night and hear the same person playing the same songs every Friday night. And, I mean, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, that was one of the reasons that we, as a venue, decided we're going all originals. Because I couldn't sit there and hear Amarillo by morning every week. On stage or or Freebird or I just couldn't I can't do it I would you know I I, I would have no hair. <laughs> How do you find the bands that you uh, present? Um, they find me actually. I mean, when when we first started out, uh, obviously you know I had to reach out and I and then knowing a lot of the people that I have been booking over the years, um, I sent out emails and uh, now we're to a point to where I get. Probably at least a dozen emails a day. Um, uh, I mean, we we 
from all over the world at this point. We had a, a couple months ago, three months ago, we had a rockabilly trio from Italy. And, and they were amazing and so much fun. And, and we actually, it happened to be one of those nights that I don't think a lot of people had heard of them, but it just happened to be one of those nights where a bunch of people came out and it was just nuts. I mean, a rockabilly, think, I mean, rockabilly trio from Italy. That should not make any sense whatsoever. The Italian Club of Dallas. Exactly, heard of exactly. So um, one of the things I was impressed when we were talking is that you take you do take the whole customer experience really seriously. That it's not just about great music, but that the atmosphere and the food. I was impressed to hear about your food. Tell us, a, make us all hungry, and tell us about some of the um, um, food options and how. Well, how I mean, we, we're I mean, we're not standard bar fare, but we kind of are standard bar fare. I mean, we we just uh, we don't do a whole lot of fried, you know, frozen straight to the fryer kind of stuff. I. We do smoke our own brisket and pulled pork in-house. Uh, we have five levels of hot sauce. Um, we, we smoke all the vegetables. Mesquite smoke all the vegetables for our house salsa. Uh, we have jalapeno, uh, serrano, habanero, uh, ghost pepper, and Carolina Reaper. Uh, we also infuse vodkas with all those sand peppers, too, so you can get a Bloody Mary in whatever level of heat you want. Uh, we we just you know I mean it's good food it's it's not fancy we're not a gastro pub by any means, um, but uh, it's just good good food I mean made from scratch not frozen not you know. Well, I guess like I mean I, I guess if the cover if a, the the equivalent of a cover band is frozen food. I didn't say I didn't I didn't say be. that you did I I, <laughs> I I get in, I'm already in trouble with all the cover bands <laughs> I already am I don't need that on me. All right, so we'll, we'll, we'll change gears then. We'll change gears. Um, as we said earlier, this month's airtime is presented in collaboration with Richardson Reed's one book, and this year's book was uh, Bluebird, Bluebird by Attica Locke, who also wrote Pleasantville uh, and is also uh, more well-known more recently for writing for the TV series Empire. And when we were talking, it, I know you as, as well as I was, and as Kitty alluded to before, were concerned about how this book would relate to the conversation here in Six Springs Tavern. So, um, and like Kitty alluded to, while uh, so rather than murder and drinking problems and resentment and melancholy and long simmering racial tension and the troubled past and present of Texas, um, while those are all don't get me wrong, they're all vastly important issues in our world today. Um, I wanted. I, I, I too am fascinated by the the soundtrack of this book, the the music, um, the musicality of not only the writing but how in um, certain passages you can almost feel that there's a guitar, or a fiddle, or a piano, or something behind it. Um, I was interested. I mean, several of the reviews of the book refer to uh, the music and the underscore of the book. Uh, one of the reviews said, Bluebird, Bluebird reads like a blues song to East Texas with all its troubles over property, race, and love. Another says, Attica Locke's novel is suffused with the blues, pushing her own classic noir plot deep into history and culture. The Houston native sings her own unshakable, timeless lament. And then uh, one more calls it, 
a rural noir suffused with the unique music, color, and nuance of East Texas. So, so I wanted to ask you, just having more experience with different music genres and, and certainly the blues, what is it about East Texas or Texas in general that, uh, that resonates with, with blues music? Well, I mean, for me, that's, you know, I, I, I mean, it's, that's a hard one for me. I mean, but, you know, when I think of blues, generally, I think of Chicago or New Orleans or, you know, uh, and, and, and I, I know we've had some amazing musicians that came out of Texas, but they didn't really, like, blow up on the Texas scene. I mean, you know, it's, it's strange. It's like, and if you look at a lot of the players that that are you know have some name recognition that they, they didn't get it in Texas so you know it's, it, that's always been an odd thing for me I mean uh, Texas as blues to me I mean in, in my age I guess kind of started with uh, like Steve Ray Vaughan kind of took it uh, that's where I got my interest at that level I mean and granted that was 30 years ago or so. Um, but I didn't have as as deep a knowledge of it as I do now just because of all I've discovered since then. And, and it's it hasn't been a whole lot of Texas artists necessarily that, that, that I discovered, but I discovered the Texas artists through other artists that aren't from Texas. It's kind of a strange deal. It's like, well, I used to play with so-and-so. Okay, well, I'm from here. But I used to play with so and so who's not from here, and now I'm back here and I'm playing blues here. I said, okay. I mean, there there are a lot of amazing. Uh, uh, Mike Morgan is a, a, an amazing uh, blues player here in town. Uh, um, oh, who's the other? Uh, Sean. But Buddy Whittington, uh, and and these are guys who who actually are from here, but they made their name by going out on tour. And then coming back, and, and I mean, it's like almost like Texas has has got a new blues scene going on to some extent, because a lot of these guys got you know got tired of touring, and it's like this time to go home, and I'm just gonna play around the house. I mean, do you think the roots of it are in Memphis and New Orleans, and just the the stories that is it African is it an African American phenomenon? Is it is it a combination? Well, I mean, of all that? I think it's a combination. I mean, I do. I mean, if you look at at uh, people like you know Muddy Waters and Robert John, I mean, the the blues to me kind of began in you know the Mississippi Delta. That's where you know, and and then it just kind of got interspersed with other artists playing from all over. I mean, and then Chicago, and then it, it just. I, I I mean, Texas has a great blues scene, but I I don't. I mean, I just don't have the knowledge of the the where that got its roots. I mean, I haven't done that research to that extent. Um, it, it, so, so for me, East Texas. I, I mean, East Texas, the Gulf. You know, it was more always like uh, more New Orleans based or Zydeco, Cajun music. But I mean, music in general is just there's there's so many. Uh, we call it blues, but what kind of blues? Is it blues rock, or is it more of a New Orleans blues? Or I mean, it, it, I think it kind of, there's no specific on it. 
Like barbecue. There's exactly. I mean, well, kind of. So, um, how do you how do you think blues aside? How do you feel that music is different? Because Texas is a big state. How is music different regionally, in from east from East Texas and Houston to San Antonio to Dallas and then us up here in Austin or Amarillo by morning? By morning. Um, I, I think a lot of it, it, it's it's what you grew up with. And I mean, you know, obviously more rural areas. I mean, it's more going to be country leaning. Uh, that's I mean, I had a Barbara Mandrell t-shirt. Uh, I grew up on a 5,000 acre cow ranch and I had a Barbara Mandrell. I was country when country wasn't a cool t-shirt. So. <laughs> and it wasn't a screen print. It was the iron on. Um, um, so I, I don't know. I think it's, it's just, uh, you know, what what's going on and where you're at. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, like I said, uh, Houston is a blues town, uh, but it's because, you know, the proximity to New Orleans to some extent, or a little bit of a Zydeco, but, you know, Cajun music. San Antonio, I mean, to me, has always been more of like a hard rock town. Uh, I mean, you turn on anything, and I mean, in my youth anyway, any time you wanted metal, you dialed to a San Antonio station. I don't know why, I don't know what caused it, but that's that's how it is. Uh, Austin is kind of a melting pot. Uh, and in here, I, you know, I'm still trying to figure here out, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, it's been a work in progress. I mean, trial and error. So what do you, I mean, what do you think the future of the music scene is here? If you had a, if you had not only influence over it, but a crystal ball? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, th honestly, I think that, you know, things need to change some. They do. I mean, there, there needs to be a, a greater appreciation for, for original music. I mean, and that's, that's worldwide. That's not just here, but uh, the, the per capita, I think we have a, a rather large number of cover and tribute bands in the, in the Metroplex. I do. Um, there are not a lot of venues that support original music. Um, and and what I mean, the way I look at it, if I had a crystal ball, I would I, I would say that well, if nobody's writing original music, then the cover band's going to run out of songs to cover. I mean, you know, I mean <laughs> that's the only way I could look at it. At least in twenty or thirty years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell us about some of the projects you have coming up at Six Strings that you're excited about. Oh well, this this coming Saturday night we actually have, uh, and as far as I know, we've actually had a few artists that are fairly well known that are that we were their first Texas gig ever, which is kind of cool. Um, we have uh, Papa Chubby coming up on uh, on Saturday night, and he's uh, uh, New York original. Uh, originally, that's where he's from. He's toured the world many, many times over. Uh, uh, and uh, it, I think it's going to be an amazing night. It, it, I mean, that's, that's my this week. And Jeff friend. is playing. Oh, and Jeff Blankenhorn. Before him. Jeff Blankenhorn, who is, is from Austin, is actually the opening act. He's an amazing musician. Spent years as a sideman for Ray Wally Hubbard and a bunch of other people, uh, Joe Ely. And then he just kind of went out on his own, started his own band. That's the opening act for Saturday night. Um, and I'd, I'd have to look at the calendar, <laughs> quite frankly. It's just, it's it. there's a lot. Well, I think you mentioned you have a film series coming. Oh up. yes, yes. Oh, thank you. Yes, we, yeah. That's why you got that job, right? 
Um, the uh, the weekend after Halloween, we are we are doing a indie horror film festival. Uh, my uh, my second in command, my number one, our bar manager, uh, makes indie horror films. I think he's got about a dozen under his belt, and uh, and so we're going. We have a, uh, about eight feature length films, I think, and and, and some shorts as well. And uh, we're actually going to give awards away. We we are actually uh, you know the platform that everybody submitted through, you will actually get IMDB credit for winning an award at our venue, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, that, that's coming up the weekend after Halloween. Uh, we've got some bands that kind of fit the horror genre uh, tied in with that, so it will be movies and music, and uh, and then an award show. So yeah, it, it you know. We, we don't want to just stick to necessarily one style of music or one artistic platform either. I mean, we want to do something like that. I mean, I, I actually want artists, if you paint, come see me. I will put your stuff on my wall. You can sell it in our venue. I mean, an art gallery. I mean, we have to be all inclusive. That's what the artist community needs. Um, there's not a great deal of support. And Kitty, I, I'm sure, can attest to that, that the, the, arts, are, the arts are hard. And, uh, you know, so that's where we're at. We're just trying to build a multi-platform artistic environment that people can thrive in. That's awesome. So we have some time for uh, questions from the audience. And, and just for, I'll, I'll let you know, I will repeat your question so that they'll hear it on the podcast. So I'm not just telling you what your question was. Okay, my, my last name is Springs. So I'm one of six. She's two of six. I have three daughters and a granddaughter, so that makes six. So six, six Springs. Uh, we, we actually don't book much country music at all. Um, it, it just, we've tried it uh, with us being a, a 100% original venue. There's just not a great deal of support. Uh, the, I mean, the country fans just seem to prefer uh, going out and hearing, you know, all the radio hits. Uh, and every time, I mean, even bands that, that should have had really good draw, just, I mean, it's original, so people just haven't come out for it. We've kind of, I mean, we do some singer-songwriter stuff, but country isn't our our big format, actually, it's not. So just like your t-shirt, country is still not cool. At our place. Well, At we, place. we didn't At say it wasn't cool. <laughs> we didn't say it wasn't cool. We book it, but then nobody comes nobody to listen comes to, to it. Nobody comes to support so, it. Yeah. Over here. Uh, we're about, well, we're 7,000 square feet uh, with the uh, the seat. I mean, you take the kitchen, the stage, you know, we're about 4,500 square feet, uh, capacity 200, somewhere in there. Chairs and tables, standing Chairs room. and tables. Chairs we and actually tables. have. Uh, and bar. Yeah, we actually have more chairs 
than we actually sell tickets for. So, um, yeah, we have about 250. 250 seats. So, yeah, but we only sell to 200. Way in the back. Oh, I do, I do. And and that's tied in with uh, with Kitty over here and, and, and Air as well. Uh, we are actually hosting the uh, the Ricochet Music and Arts Festival. Uh, we are the you know the finale of the day uh, for the other venues. Yes, we have uh, two tons of steel, uh, Terry Hendricks and Lloyd Maines, um, Barbara Nesbitt, Shelly King, King, Justin Tipton. Yeah, what she said. Yeah, so it's going to be a full day of music, uh, like six to midnight, something like that. One last question. Bueller. No. <laughs> I had to do it. I'm sorry. All right. Well, well, thank you. So we will end, as it is the airtime tradition, with our top ten lightning round short questions. And you can answer one at a time together. As can he answer them all? He can answer them all. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Number one. Pie or cake? Cake. Both. Number two, Eiffel Tower or Empire State? Eiffel Tower. I have to go with that. The wine is better. Number three, B.B. King or Stevie Ray Vaughan? Oh, that's... I can't choose. Um, They're both amazing. B.B. King and Stevie Ray Vaughan playing together on stage. There you go. Number four, Elvis or the Beatles? The Beatles. Elvis. That's it. The divorces, the divorces. Captain <laughs> tomorrow. Number five, the movie you've seen the most times in your life. I'll go Big Lebowski. I was just about to say that. Get out of my head. And the marriage is back on. <laughs> Number six, spaghetti or cheeseburgers? Cheeseburgers. Cheeseburger. Number seven. Nashville or New Orleans? New, New Orleans. Orleans. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Number eight, craft beer or craft cocktail? Craft cocktail. Craft beer. Number nine, spicy or crunchy? Spicy. Spicy. And number 10, the one artist, dead or alive or band, dead or alive that you would most like to present at Six Springs? Jim Morrison. He was a poet, too. <laughs> She's thinking. Somebody smell smoke? Um, I don't know. There's so many. Three seconds. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, regardless, thank you so much. And please help me thank uh, Carrie and Brad Springs of Six Springs. Well, I learned a lot, and I have been to the venue, and it is great. You, If you haven't been, please go. Go at 5 o'clock every Monday, Tuesday. No. <laughs> anyway, hopefully we will see you there on October the 19th for Ricochet when we do host the wonderful, the duo of, you know, well, not duo, but Two Tons of Steel, as well as Terry Hendricks and Lloyd Maines. Tickets are on sale now through their website. So 
get your tickets. And that would be sixspringslive.com, all spelled out, S-I-X-S-P-R-I-N-G-S-L-I-V-E. What a pair. Dot com. <laughs> anyway, and yes, the arts can be challenging, but those of you who are in the arts already know that, so we're preaching to the choir a lot tonight, I believe. Um, a special thanks uh, to the Air Board, who is here tonight. They are all up in the in the uh, upper echelons up there, but I thank them for all of their support and help with planning. Um, I also wanted to say a special thanks. I was talking about partnerships earlier. Um, I neglected to specifically mention you all and Ricochet, and uh, they have been wonderful to work with, so we're looking forward to this event. And are you still doing the chili cook-off? No. Okay. No chili cook-off. Not yet. Okay. Anyway, uh, I wanted to remind everybody of two things. One is, since Ricochet is back, we're also hosting Creativity on Tap at Four Bullets Brewery. This is an art exhibit where you can submit any work of art that has anything at all to do with beer. And I'm looking out at the audience, and I can tell many of you like beer. So he gets your artistic and creativity in place and submit something. There are some of the applications back there on the table. Uh, the last time we did this, we had close to 40 different entries, that, and it can be anything having to do with beer. So be creative. Anyway, and I wanted to remind everybody that October, excuse me, September the 19th is North Texas Giving Day. So here's where the arts really ask for you to support us. On North Texas Giving Day, if you go to NorthTexasGivingDay.org, um, you can make a donation, and your gift will be matched to a certain percentage. So it's a real bonus day for nonprofits, especially the arts in the area. Um, I hope that some of you will be able to support AIR in that manner. And lastly, the next AIR time is on October the 8th, and I cannot share who the artist is yet, unfortunately, but at least mark October the 8th on your calendar. And then follow us on our, on our homepage and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, at which time you will discover who the artist is. And thank you to all of you. Thank you to all of you. And thank you to Richardson Reads One Book. And enjoy the movie. I'd also like to say Catch Kitty or, or some of her, her uh, crew, uh, they always say never take a wooden nickel. Okay, so everybody's got a wooden nickel then. Good deal. Oh, it's it's the wooden nickel is good for buy one get one on a cover charge or drink uh, any night. So they they actually are wooden nickels that are actually worth a little something. Thank y'all.